0: How good is it to be worshiping God together? Good morning, everybody. We good? Come on, let's just take a few moments. Let God know you're thankful. The Word says he inhabits the praises of his people. Let's give him something to show up on in our life. Come on, let's worship him. Jesus, you're good. You're faithful. We love you. We need you. Who are we apart from you? But we're thankful. We got you, God. You're with us. You're for us, not against us. And do something new in our lives today. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's greet everybody online right now. Welcome, and the men of Lansing Correctional. We love you guys so much. I'm going to be with you on the 15th in person. It's going to be awesome. Cannot wait to see you guys face to face. Hey, speaking face to face, turn to your neighbor, tell them they look good today and their Sunday best, and grab grab your seat. We're going to jump into the Word. Today, If you're new here, we are, we're reading through our Bibles. We do that every year, but this year in particular, everything you hear from the platform, the messaging, the ministry of this church on Sundays, each Sunday in, Sunday out, is uh, for the most part, mass majority, going to be in alignment with what we're reading or we're about ready to read in our Bible reading. And we're, okay, what can we call it? Like we're going through the Bible in a year as a church and preaching through it. We're gonna call it Bible Year because we are so creative That was supposed to be funny, and it so wasn't. But Bible year, because we believe this, that this word is true, it's alive, it's active, it changes us. It shows us who we're called to be. It helps us become more like Christ. It shows us the goodness of God and how to build your life according to it. So as we're reading it throughout and making God's word word the foundation, not of our Sundays, but of our everyday, we're building lives on the foundation of Jesus, and therefore we're becoming more like Jesus. It's a well-built life. In a kingdom city, we're here to build lives with God's word and God's ways. We're here, we believe, to build people that bring heaven to earth, more of heaven to help you in your marriage, more of heaven to help you in your workplace, more of heaven to help you reach the people around you in your neighborhood, in your own family, to grow you, to become everything God has called you to be. Uh, Matthew chapter 21. How many people brought their Bibles to church? There's seven of us. That's great. God's number of completion. That's awesome. We have a Bible for you if you don't have one. If you you do, bring one. I know you might do it on your phone. You got it on the screen. It's great. But I just think bringing your Bible to church is an awesome flex. And it just shows, especially single people out there, shows that person that you're serious about God's word. But today, beyond your Bibles, I want you to take notes. Got a little note card on your thing. Grab a note. Take it on your phone. That's great. Uh, because scriptures are gonna come fast and furious early and often. And I want you to just, so you don't have to write down the whole passage, just get that reference. Go over it your, for yourself this week because I really believe this is gonna help you. This message is a, it's a challenging message, but I believe it's a life-changing message, not when you just hear it, but when you do it. Matthew 21. Jesus arrives at the temple on a Monday. The day before was his triumphant entry. This is that holy week as he's going to the cross on Good Friday, as we're coming to the end of this first gospel we're reading through. And Jesus shows up on a Monday, and like many of you on a Monday, Jesus seems to be a little cranky in this moment, okay? But he's, uh, you're cranky on a Monday because maybe you don't like your work. Work hard, honor God, he'll promote you, that's great. But Jesus actually has some things he wants to work out, to work out in Jerusalem, to work out with people, particularly those that are like the religious rulers and leaders, in the city. Now Jesus, we know, had been to the temple before. He was there as a kid, and he was pilgrimaging there like any fully devoted Jew would. In fact, there's three festivals that would be pilgrimage festivals that you would show up in Jerusalem. And this is Pesach, or what we call Passover. And this Passover, we know on Good Friday, he becomes the, the sacrificial lamb that was slain for the salvation of all of humanity if you put your faith in him. And and on Good Friday, He completes the old way of doing things, the sacrifices and the offerings that you'd have to bring, like the Bible says, continually, year after year. He becomes the one true sacrifice for all of us. And on Resurrection Sunday, he gives life to the new way of following God. This is a a living way of putting our trust in that sacrifice and receiving God's grace. Just like when you're constructing anything new out of something old, there is a season or a time of demo work. You gotta tear down some things, you gotta clean out some things so you can build something better. Jesus, for these next few chapters, does some demo work, particularly with those that are puffed up in pride, those in religious control. He's going after the Pharisees. And I I believe there's probably a little bit of us, especially if you grew up in the faith, where we begin to posture ourselves like we've got it together. And the truth is, none of us, apart from the grace of God, have anything to boast in. Now, there's something about spiritual maturity, but that's not what you know, that's what you do. And he had a problem with the ones that were the know-it-alls and the pretenders and the prideful, the Pharisees. And I believe this, what God's about ready to do in our church, Vision Sunday in a couple weeks, he wants to clear out some old things. And I'm not saying people, I'm saying things in our heart postures and positions that we might have so we can do a new thing, so we can build a living thing, something vibrant and alive. And Jesus in Matthew 21 starts this week off with a bang. Are you ready for it? Matthew 21, verse 12. As Jesus entered the temple courts, he drove out all who were buying and selling there. He, He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves for sacrifice. He says, it is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it into a den of robbers. Jesus, like Matumbo, waved his finger and says, not in my house. There's no basketball fans here, great. (laughs) His often overlooked verse is the one that follows, verse 14, the blind and the lame Came to him then at the temple. After it got cleared out, there was room for what was really on the heart of God. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. John's account of this same passage, although it happens earlier in the story in that gospel, the disciples remembered something that was said about the Messiah prophecy, messianic prophecy, that a zeal for God's house, zeal for the house would consume. Or in other words, a passion for that place where God met people would consume. Jesus had that passion consumed for people to have the right ministry in God's house. I wanna speak today about turning tables and cleaning house. because God is after authenticity and humility, not the duplicity of the Pharisee. Every one of us, listen, every one of us have a table or two that Jesus wants to flip over. Every one of us have some place in our life that God wants to clean out, particularly if there's pride. Pride, that sneaky sin, that one that kind of creeps in after you've been following Jesus for a little while. And God says, if I'm gonna do a new thing, a living thing, a vibrant thing to help the hurting people, I gotta clear out some room so we can minister to the right people in the right way. Can we pray? Come on, join us, even those online, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. It's alive. Let it speak to us. And not a way that brings knowledge, but in a way that helps us apply it to our daily life, that brings change. We're ready to change. Investigate every facet, every pocket, every corner of our heart. Lord, any area where there isn't a humility, where we're receiving your grace to grow, change us today. Flip the tables over, turn the tables, clean out the house in us so we can be the kind of people that you've called us to be, coming more like Jesus every single day day Lord, we pray for the those on the injury report for the Chiefs. Health and healing is in the kingdom. For those that are sick or hurting on the Eagles, not our problem, God. We wash our hands of that in Jesus' name and all excited to celebrate a Super Bowl next Sunday night. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Keep the faith, okay? I like being the underdog. I'm a ginger, we've always been the underdog, okay? Just kidding. There was a Netflix series a few years ago that some of you right remember, it's called Tidying Up. Anyone remember this one? Uh, Marie Kondo, Kondo. She, uh, she would have everyone that would clutter up their house, everyone wanted a, a home makeover or, or to, to get rid of all the clutter, and she'd make you take every article of clothing and you'd hold it up to yourself. And she, you'd ask yourself this question, does this bring me joy? And I don't know about you, but I don't have an article of clothing that brings me joy. Now maybe shoes, that might be something God might need to deal with, but not. And if it didn't, you got rid of it. It wasn't a necessity in your life. Now a, a clean heart, a, a tidied up inside world actually brings God joy. Like a, if a cardigan brings you joy, You've got some problems. Your children should bring you joy, not a cardigan, right? Get rid of that. But God actually loves when our hearts are clean. He loves it, not because he's looking for perfection, because he knows we will not have that, but by his grace, when our heart is in right order, as his sons and his daughters, he can do more through us, in us, for us, and ultimately to the world around us. God does more through a life that is authentic and clean, that is honest and transparent. Now, this cleansing of the temple passage has been used by people that never want to be in church to take a pot shot at what they called organized religion. I'm not into organized religion either, but we do see in the Bible, Old Testament and New, that God is a God of order, and Jesus says he's going to build his church. And and so we could say, well, 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 Jesus tried to get rid of man's rules and regulations. No, ultimately what Jesus was doing here was that people that were abusing the system and ultimately crowding out the temple court. He got them out so the real ministry could happen. And some things in our life might need to get out of the way so that God could do the real ministry in us and the real ministry through us. See, what happened here is they would set up these merchants We're selling the animals and the doves and the livestock that they would bring as a sacrificial offering. Remember, the Bible says year after year, you had to make a sacrifice. But Jesus, on that one Good Friday, had become the sacrifice for all of us. I know we're a long ways away from Easter and Good Friday, but can we just celebrate the fact that he went all the way? So we don't have to keep posturing in the position of continual sacrifice, but he is our sacrifice. But where they set up is where the real problem was. Yes, they were extorting the people, and that's a whole nother sermon. But they were set up in the the court of the Gentiles, or the outsiders. There was a place for the women to worship and the Jewish men to worship, but for all of those that weren't hereditary in the faith, those that were wanting to worship the one true God, that didn't come from that lineage of faith, that this is where they were supposed to worship. And yet it was crowded out with everybody doing their thing but god couldn't do his thing in that place they they were using it for themselves instead of serving the people that were trying to get closer to god so when jesus kicks them all out that's why it's good to read the next verse it's so that he can heal the lame and bring sight recover his sight to the blind so what he could set the captives free so he can do his mission his work of restoring people back to health, back to life, back to God. And so that's why he had to clean house and turn tables. And what we have in chapter 21, and then really escalating even more in chapter 23, is Jesus just has a problem with the people of pride. People called the Pharisees in this story. In fact, in 23, line after line, kind of shot after shot, Jesus says, woe to you. And woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Woe to you, those that are posturing and pretending. Woe to you that act a certain way in front of others, but live a different way when no one's watching. Woe to you, verse 25, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup in the dish, but inside is full of greed and what? Self, Self self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. This is Jesus' words, not mine, don't get mad at me. First, if you just clean the inside of the cup, guess what, the outside would take care of itself. It would also be clean. What do you teach us the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You're like a whitewashed tomb. You look beautiful on the outside, but the inside is full of death and decay and everything unclean. In the same way the outside of you appears to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of what? Hypocrisy. And wickedness. How many like read this and like, wow, what happened to cuddly Jesus? What happened to come unto me, children, and sit on my lap, Jesus? No, this is confrontational, Jesus. Jesus is turning tables and cleaning house. Why? Because the temple where ministry happens, where the mission of God's reconciliation and restoration of humanity happens, is so important to him. He had to clear out all the old. Because the temple was a place where God met people on earth. But now in this new and living way, the temple is not where we worship in Jerusalem. It's who we are on the earth. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul writes, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of you, whom you have? In other words, it's a gift from God, and you are not your own. You were bought at a price, the most precious price of all, the price of Jesus. Therefore what? Glorify God in your body. Now this passage in particular is talking about living right and pure. It's actually talking about sexual purity in your life. But I love this next part. Glorify God in your body and in your what? And in your spirit. In other words, your attitude, actions, and behaviors, your inside world, your heart, which are also, it is also God's. Beware of the Pharisee, Jesus says once to the disciples, because just a little bit of them can spoil everything. A little bit of leaven spoils the whole loaf, and the Bible teaches us that a a little bit of pride is a big problem to God. Why is that? It's because God can't work through pride. It postures and positions like you're the problem solver or you're the solution, which as believers we know, he's the only reason we have life, the only reason we have hope is the gift of his grace. And you cannot grow in maturity in your faith beyond that point that you are nothing apart from that gift of Jesus. It's a sad quote I've heard. You may have heard it before. There's two reasons why people reject Jesus Christ. One, they've never met a Christian. In other words, they've never heard the gospel. Secondly, they have met a Christian. I know we can all take shots at Christian, but the truth is Jesus wants to clean the house and the home and the heart of our world. That there's a part of us that actually when the world sees the way we respond to them, It pushes them away, when Jesus actually wants to clear the way for the real ministry to humanity to happen in that place where he desires it. Why is it so important, why? Because we represent Jesus on the earth. He's represented through the church. In your neighborhood, he's represented through your life. In your workplace, he's represented through you. In your raising of your kids, you represent that to the other families that you do life with, that your kids go to school with. 2 Corinthians 5, so we are what? We're Christ ambassadors. An ambassador is someone that represents a nation, but they don't live in that nation. They represent it to a foreign land. The same way we're strangers in a strange land. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We have a citizenship in heaven. And so we get this divine privilege. How many know this is a privilege? This is also a responsibility. That the way that we live and the way that we love represents Jesus to a world. This is why we're still here. And when you give your heart to Jesus, you aren't just translated into eternity. He keeps you here because the mission continues through us. And we were reached 2,000 years ago up to this point by people that took ownership of this opportunity. And the same way, if we would clear out our hearts and flip tables of things that God wants to disrupt so things can get back in right order, we get to be ambassadors of God's grace to a world that needs us. We speak for Christ, he says, when we plead to people come back to God. We do not chastise people with your wrong with God. We do not posture ourselves as like, we're right with God. No, our our plead in our heart and our heartbeat is for our lost brothers and sisters to come back to God. Verse 21 says, why? Because this is a gift from God. For God made Christ the perfect gift who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we may be what right or righteous, right standing with God, not in our own ability, but through Christ and his gift. You know, as you're merging on 71, if you're headed north and then going through downtown on 70 uh, west would be, you know, they, they, there's an exit that's right there and that's the exit everyone wants to go to. That's the exit, especially if you're coming from Johnson County and you People don't know how to get to anywhere in actual Kansas City, uh, just kidding. And You wanna to get to what you know now is the T-Mobile, you wanna to go to insert country artists whose name I don't know that you love at the T-Mobile. Or if you're like me, you want trying to get to Paw Patrol Live with your kids. Like it's so easy just to merge quickly there, but they, they know that it's dangerous. So they not only paint a line, but they extend a line. In fact, they've added a second line now. And every year they have to repaint it because everyone tramples over it. No one obeys it. Now, does it make it legal because the line is blurred out from crossing over and excessive use? No. It is there for your protection and the protection of others. There's a line that has been established. Now, God's word is filled with lines and ways for you to travel, how to live, how to walk, how to love, how to serve, how to... how to to order your inner world, how we behave with the people around us. But this is not just rules and regulation. This leads us to life and life everlasting. This leads us to life of integrity, a life of significance. This makes us more like Jesus. And just so other people can cross over the line doesn't make it any more legal. Let's call it what the Bible says, there is sin. The word for sin is not evil, vicious acts. The Hebrew word huta literally means to miss the mark. And how many know we've missed the mark? I'm the only one who missed, okay. How many know you've missed the mark? And we'll continue to miss the mark. This is why grace is so important. But the Pharisees, why Jesus had such a problem with them is that they would acknowledge where everyone else missed it. And they would act like they had it all figured out. And I would just say that there's a little bit of Pharisee. Listen, if you've been a believer for more than three or four years, this is so, this is that sneaky sin. It tries to creep in, and instead of you continue to have a supple heart that gets challenged by God, you get problems with people, and you want to point out why you got issues with them. And so you start drawing all the lines for them, some of the which, if we're really being honest, we're not even walking or driving in or aligning ourselves with ourselves. Because doing what's right doesn't make you right. You're right because what Jesus has already done. But posturing in your own pretend perfection will limit the plan of God. We'll see today through the word, right living produces blessed life. But it doesn't mean you have life with God. You have that because of the gift that we've received. And the duplicity of the Pharisee is a tragedy to Jesus because integrity does matter. Character totally matters, but only when it's done with a heart of humility. So Jesus turns the tables and cleans house because he wants our walk to match our talk. He wants the ministry to happen in the courts or the temple, in our lives or in the church to the people that need it the most and when our inner world and outer world mirror each other it is a beautiful attractive and inviting life to a broken world that is looking for some light and this is why jesus has a church that he puts on a hill yeah, right. giving light to the whole world this is why there's salt and, and and light this is what the church is called to be so we don't live like the world even though we're in the world but we're not here to condemn the world we're here to love the world so we do live with boundaries And we do live with lines and we do walk in integrity, but we never think of ourselves better. Listen, a life of integrity, a life following God does not make you better than someone else. It makes you your best self. And your best self is called to be a blessing to those. Even the apostle Paul, who let's not kid ourselves was way more gangster at being a follower of Jesus than us. And he said like, Who am I to judge people outside the church? Like even that old line, we love the sinner and hate the sin, it's God that hates the sin. The sin isn't against you, it's against God. So our posture is that we love people and we wanna show them the truth, but we do not show them the truth with just words, rules and regulations. We show the truth with real love and that we encourage and we maybe even challenge because there is a new and living way for them to walk into. Anyone get anything out of this today? A Couple reasons why we let God clean house. First and foremost, it pleases God, it gives him pleasure. Like, if you live your life with a clean heart and a clean house, and I know we're in a need of that grace and mercy every day when we wake up, but not acknowledge that we have it all together. Acknowledge our need for that gift of Jesus. Honestly, we live that way with clean lives, it glorifies God. And why is that important? Because the life that glorifies God, God will then bring his glory into your life. Proverbs 11, it says, the Lord detests people with crooked hearts, misaligned hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. Hebrews 4, verse 13, nothing in your life, listen, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are Accountable. The Bible tells us that God's looking all over the whole earth, his eyes run to and fro. It's not looking for those he wants to condemn or punish, no, he's actually looking for those he can promote, those that are living right, walking right. And so this, if everything is exposed, this is why, when it comes to God, honestly, when it comes to church community, we wanna look good naked. This is why the, the, the Pharisees, Jesus had such a problem with their pretentious pretending, as they look down their nose at others that weren't living the way they thought. They thought they could draw the lines. But this is why Jesus comes to flip the tables. Jesus comes to clean house. And I don't know, Like I believe this about integrity and he, with the spirit of humility, is that God wants us to live clean because God cares about our character because the more our characters develop, the more we show our competence. And the more we show our competence, the more we can carry more weight, weight for his glory, not our own. My kids, when they obey, when they do it, I don't just feel good like, ah, yeah, I'm the man. They're doing what daddy says. No, I see little hearts and lives being shaped in obedience that I know in the long run when daddy ain't around no more and they're in college, which some days I'm counting down the days to. Well, when they're gone, that they're obedient. I know it's gonna bless them. Long, Your heavenly Father feels the same, the same about you. So God delights in your wholeness, wholeness. When I let God clean house, guess what? My ministry, your ministry, to others, it, it multiplies. God begins to put you on display. As you honor him and it blesses him, he blesses you. And God shows that blessing to the world. Proverbs 20 says, good, not good acting. No, 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 not pretending. Not those that are good at wearing a mask or faking a smile at church. No, good people who live honest lives will be a blessing to the generations, blessing to their children. When we're living right, it lives beyond us. Some of you grew up in a home where there was no God obedience, there was no structure, there was no order. Maybe there was no parents, there was no help and you're having to do it from the very beginning. Maybe you don't have an example of what a father looks like because you didn't have one. Or maybe all you know is a, a, a controlling mom or absentee because they're working for a job because that's all you knew. This is the beauty of being in church family is that where you were missing it, God positions you with people that might have had it or will be it in your future. And so just because you haven't seen it, guess what? That's a divine privilege for you to start it. The generational blessing and fulfillment you didn't come from, but it's in your future because your future starts now. And so God will use you to change things that will matter for generations. It affects the society and the people that we work with in the world around us. Proverbs eleven eleven it says the good, the influence of the good people makes a city great. In Proverbs 14, it says right living and right people make a Make a nation great. You like all the things, or you dislike the things you see in our city, you see in our nation, you see in your neighborhood. It's so with the way that you live, God will bring change through you. Because when your character aligns with your beliefs, it pleases God and it serves and blesses others. And then it does something special for you. When you let God clean house, it produces momentum in your own life. It produces blessing and favor and fulfillment and fruit in your life. Proverbs 11, moral character makes for smooth travel. You might come from a rocky road, but you begin to let God change you, flip some tables, clean house. You got some smooth road highway in front of you. An evil life, that is a hard life. But good character is the best insurance. I think boldness comes from wholeness that you just begin confident, not in your own ability, but who you are in Christ. That when you start walking in the light and you have the humility to admit your mistakes, your issues, your hangups, which we're all gonna have, and receive that grace in our time of need, that, that, that wholeness produces a boldness in our life. Because it isn't about us, it's what Jesus has done for us and what he's still working in us and ultimately what he wants to do through us. The Bible says when you start living right, it like gives you sure footing for your, like, to climb higher in life. So if you live in a low place right now, you start living right, you start walking in cleanness, you start walking in humility, authenticity, not that duplicity of the Pharisee. And you start climbing out of where you came from and going to places that maybe no one in your family has ever gone before. Or if you started in a good place, you're going to even a greater place. What does that clean life look like? It doesn't look like perfection, because none of us are gonna have that. Until Jesus return or until we go to be with him, we are still a work in process. He is still perfecting, the Bible says, that which concerns us. But I highlighted three areas that if us as a church, if we could do these three things right, not perfect, but get it right. I believe God's gonna clear the house in here in a brand new way in a spirit of humility. He's gonna pour out more lame and broken and hurting people that we can help restore, that we can help be a part of that real mission in the temple that matters to Jesus so it matters to us. The first one is this, that my words and my, my actions line up. I'm gonna speak what is true. I'm gonna be a truth teller in my life. I'm not going around telling everyone else the truth that they need to change. That's the Pharisee. But I speak the truth. When it comes to my life, my yes is yes and my no is no. Proverbs 12, verse 20, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those that tell the truth. Keep your word. And when you make promises, keep them. And instead of making excuses about when you don't keep them or you mess up, you repent. We're just simple, plain people that what we say is what we do. And our words and our actions are aligned. That's why Jesus had such a problem with the Pharisees, is that they would pray loud in the church, but they had all their own hidden problems that they wouldn't ever show. They would, they would literally pray prayers like, God, thank you that you didn't make me like those people, like them. And the truth is, when we grow up in church or you have been around for a while, that's going to sneak in. That's why we continue to let King Jesus come in and clear out anything in the temple of our hearts that he thinks is detrimental to the calling that is on your life. All great relationships are built on truth telling. I love this in Ephesians four. Let our lives lovingly express the truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. If you haven't been a truth teller, guess what? Start today. Secondly, I'm gonna speak with true. I'm gonna stand for what's true i to stand by what is true. 2 Corinthians 13, our responsibility is never to oppose the truth, but to stand for the truth at all times. As believers, listen, there's a broken world and a broken system. And we can either speak about all the things that are bad, and there are things that we call out, the things that we gotta be honest with, like that is so against the heart of God. We need to be able to say it, but we actually, we always speak it in love. If you cannot say it in love, it doesn't need to be said because you will not picket people into the kingdom of God. You will not argue someone into the kingdom of God. You will love people into the kingdom of God. The Pharisees loved their position. They did not love the people. And you know, this week you'll know, God will reveal, when you're not right in loving people. I, I, let me tell the truth on myself. When I get angry, like real angry, because I'm running late and traffic you know, someone literally does not know how to drive. And I want to help them, I want to merge them off into the ditch of their transgressions. When I'm interacting with someone, I can just tell like they're having a bad day and they're making my day bad, and I just have no heart. I'm not saying you gotta be like, oh, Ned Flanders, loving every Christian right there, right? <laughs> like that, that's exhausting. But when you have a moment to love someone or to overlook something and you don't, and you're just thinking about it. You're stewing on it. It's like I'm one of those people. I know. I know there's something God. I, I gotta have. I gotta let God clean this out. I, I'm short with with family, with my kids, with Liz. They are not done anything wrong, I got other stuff going on. All right, God, this is what matters the most. And so I know God's gotta change that, check that. This week, I want you to just to think about how am I interacting with people? Is this, 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 this posture, this position, my words, the way I'm, my tone, my language, is this, is this salt and light to a world that is lost and flavorless? Final one is, I know I'm standing right and I'm saying what's right and I, I gotta learn to stay right. I gotta learn to stay clean. Like you, your righteousness is that gift. We were talking about, it is a gift from Jesus. And we get a new gift from Jesus every day called a brand new start with fresh grace and fresh mercy. Listen, if Sunday was your only bath, how many know you would stink by Thursday. And some of you, the Bible says that God washes, Jesus washes us gently with the word, like his church, his bride, he's cleaning us up to make us without spot, without wrinkle, to make us right where we're supposed to be. And so every single week, honestly, every single day, you need that personal heart and health hygiene. That's what we taught in, in, um, in our youth ministry here, youth revival, they took them through this, the basics of building a life with God and they took them through soap which some of them need soap in their mouth and they learned that language from you um, no it just means it talks about how the way you read the Bible that you study it and you observe what is it saying what's the context and then you apply it what does God want me to do about this how does this affect my daily life and then we pray about it God help me work this into my life God let me be more like you And every single day they're learning, hey, if I'm getting in the word and I'm growing and I'm becoming more like Jesus, and I'm actually applying. Because the problem with the Pharisees is they knew everything but did nothing. And as believers, we never want our knowledge of God's word to outpace our application of our life, of living for Jesus to a world that is looking for a living example. First Corinthians 8 says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And the more you know and the less you do, the bigger your head gets. But the more you do with that which you know, even if it's a little and you're new to faith, the more your heart grows. And you become that place, that supple heart where God can do something special for the world, the world that we live in. I know we have three kids and to be honest with you, Liz is very clean and I am very, I like to say, organizationally creative. (laughs) And so cleaning up at our house is a full-time job. We don't do it once a week. It's every single day. Keeping your heart and the posture of your life, it's not a full-time job, but it's a daily discipline. It's a daily coming into the throne room of grace to receive the help that you need in your time of need. It's a daily communion with God where he's speaking to you and you're speaking to him. It's daily in the word of God that we're doing together in our Bible here. And we just do those things in the community of God. This is why you need a connect group to walk with. Because you do get to choose a few things when it comes to being clean. Who you're doing life with. Honestly, it, it, it matters. The community that you pick. Being people, listen, that choose integrity over image. That's the opposite of the Pharisee. That's the anti-Pharisee heart. Is that I'm actually gonna like, I'm gonna come to someone who's in my group, or uh, I got two or three friends at church, I'm gonna say, this has been my struggle. This has been my hang up. This has been my issue. And maybe your image takes a knock, but your honesty and authenticity grows. And God is looking at that because that is the soil of a well-gardened heart that he can grow the most beautiful life through just be a truth teller to somebody else. Not pretend like we have it all together. I'm gonna choose my influences. I know this could seem like a youth group message, this part right here, it's like, it's what you watch, it's what you listen to. But like, take into account what you're actually investing your time in. I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of free time. Like, I wanna build a beautiful marriage. They have the most amazing wife, besides the gift of salvation, the greatest gift in my life. I got three beautiful kids that I want to send out to be the world changes they're called to be. Graham told me last night, he's like, dad, I'm gonna be a professional athlete, which honestly is what I believed about myself back then. So I'm not here to burst bubbles, but God can grace it. And then after that, I'm gonna be a pastor. And part of me is like, are you sure? I know dad might make it look cool, but let me tell you, no, I'm just kidding. And it just touched my heart. And I got, I don't have a lot of time for a ton of entertainment. I don't have a lot. I want to have authentic relationships in a few, and I'm I'm here for everyone. I love everyone in the church, but I say I want to pick and choose the relationships that invest in me, and I invest in them. You know what? I don't have time. I don't have time for gossip. I don't have time to talk about other people's problems that I have nothing to do with and can't solve. I don't have time for a church that has opinions about everything else, but isn't constantly like leaning into what the presence of God is saying about their own life. I got time for the word, I got time for my Bible study, beyond preparing just for sermons, I want God to speak to my life. I'm gonna pick and choose my influences because time is precious. It's the most precious commodity that we have. And I don't wanna fill it with a bunch of stuff. And I'm all for entertainment, have your entertainment. It's great. Just make sure God has your heart first and foremost. Apostle Paul says, yeah, your argument is that you can do anything because you've been forgiven but not everything is good. But I could do anything, because God will forgive me, but not everything is beneficial. And I want a step that's gonna build my life. I want stuff that's gonna build our church. Not to be the only thing we do, let's have a life, let's know culture, let's be in the world a little bit, but not of the world. But it's not the only thing we do. It's secondary to the greatest thing God is doing for us. And at the end of the day, But the Pharisees would learn upon the resurrection because many of them, even the priests, became followers of Jesus. So Jesus' rebuke to them wasn't to forever alienate them because Jesus spoke the truth in love. And he corrected that heart of the know-it-all and the one that postured in their own self protection and perfection. Because ultimately, he wanted to be pierced one day with the glory of God for the kingdom of God. But what they knew on the other end of the resurrection is this wasn't by your own power. And it's not by your own willpower. And being a disciplined person, that's a lot to say with your character, and that's great. But when it comes to your destiny, you cannot just get there with your own willpower. You need God's grace, His divine power, 2 Peter 1, by His divine power. God has given us, this is a gift just like Jesus, everything we need for living this godly life. A life that looks like the goodness of God and a life that experiences the goodness of God. He's given it to us. We have received all of this by coming to know Him. Not know about Him, to know Him personally. The one who called us to Himself By means, again, it is his marvelous glory and it is his excellence and it's at work even in our brokenness and even in our mistakes and even our issues. It's the radical power of grace that transforms your life. And at the end of the day, your integrity outlives you. Listen, humility and wholeness, walking right with God, obeying God's word does not make you better than anyone else. It makes you your best self. And there is more that God wants to do, that Christ in you, the hope of glory, he wants to grow and cultivate on the inside of all of us as a community. Let's let him clear out the temple courts. Let's let him flip over some tables of judgment of others. Let's let him grow us in humility and authenticity because it's in that that it makes us the best us that we're called to be. Why don't you stand to your feet? Before we go into a moment of worship, I wanna pray. I wanna pray for two groups. First and foremost, it's like, you know there's some things in you God wants to change. I think all of us could say yes to that one. But you know there's something in your heart. I wanna call it what it really is, it's pride. Listen, in a moment, and we're gonna have a head bowed and eyes closed, but I'm actually gonna ask you to raise your hand because that is the last thing your pride wants you to do is to humbly admit before God that you gotta have his help, that you don't have it figured out. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes, and I only do that to give sanctuary to the person next to you. If you're here and you know you've been judging the world around you and other people, and maybe you've even postured yourself and pretended like you've got all the answers, but you know there's still some things out of alignment in your life. And you wanna admit before God, and honestly, be as your pastor, that you need to come back to grace first. God needs to flip some tables and clear the house and clean some things up in you. And you're just asking for his help. If you don't wanna live in that duplicity, that self-protection, self-promotion duplicity, but you want God to perfect that which concerns you, Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Kyle, it's me today, it's me today, it's me I want a humble heart, I want a soft heart, I want a supple heart, I want to love people again. I want to honor God with the way that I live. I don't want to just live by the rules and point out where everyone's missing it. I want real relationship. I want the glory of God to show up in my life. Hands are up all over this place. You can put your hands down, let me pray for you. Father God, every lifted hand right there was an absolute sign of surrender. They said, I gotta have you. I am not good by my own ability. God, you're making me into more of your son. I've been made in your image and you're recreating and redeeming me to become more like Jesus. Apart from your grace, God, I cannot do anything. But by your mighty power at work within me, you have given me everything to live this life for the glory of God. God, I thank you that you come in and you carefully and with precision, you flip every table of self-promotion, self-protection, and pride. And Lord, you clear house and let your humility rule and reign in my life. Lord, I thank you. You give grace to the humble. I'm gonna experience greater grace than ever before. Lord, I thank you about our church that we're not filled up with our own just self-interest and posturing ourselves as people that act like we have it all together. But we know when we were lost, you came looking for us. And when we miss it, you redeem and rescue us. And when we're hurting, you help heal and restore us. And that apart from you, there's nothing even really that good in us, but God, you're building something beautiful in us. Let our hearts and our lives and our families and our future be something that bring you glory. And Lord, change this city and change this world through our acts of humility and our loving kindness to this world and humanity around us in Jesus' name. Everyone, still head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, this is the beginning of everything beautiful God wants to grow in your life. Maybe you have said yes, but you need to come back home because you've gone a long way off. In this moment of prayer, we're all going to pray together, one big family of faith we're with you in this but this is your own personal decision like growing up in church does not make you a believer just like growing up a Jew didn't make you right with God there was a court created for the outsiders to come in and at Calvary's cross Jesus had made room for all of humanity that would say yes to him to be received into his family to be fully forgiven and to have an everlasting life with his love and with his grace if that is you and you need a fresh start with Jesus, but no one looking around. That's you. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor Kyle, that's me. I need a new beginning. One, two, three, four, five. I see you, young man. Six of you, seven of you. That's awesome. That's amazing. Hands up in this room. Maybe that's you online. Maybe that's you at Lansing. Let's all pray this prayer together as one big family of faith. Say this with me. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. I believe I am forgiven because Jesus went to the cross. He paid the ultimate price, so I could receive the ultimate gift. The grace of God is mine through Jesus. He paid it all, so I give him my all. From this moment on, I'm going after him. With all that I've got, I'm pursuing you. God, fill me with your spirit. My future is yours. My past is forgiven because of Jesus his name I pray. Amen. Church, can we celebrate? Come on, let's take a moment to worship God together. Come on, let's sing.